You found us. Welcome to Emergency Protocol, a podcast for people who are stressy and depressy. We are your hosts, Denise and Jackie Freed. That's my mama. And that's my baby. We are sharing our 12 steps reimagined for today's society. And our bumpy, pothole-ridden spiritual paths. And we're bringing you along for the ride. This is us doing the actual work. When the shit hits the fan, you know it's time for... Emergency Emergency Protocol. Now we're going. There's no metronome. There's no metronome. (laughs) We've got some recording going on. We sure do. All right. Okay. Hi. Hi. Here we go. Here we go. First podcast. First podcast. Wow. All right. We've been talking about this for a while. For a while. It feels really good to be actually doing it. Yeah. Like official, official. That's right. For real, real. (laughs) Not for fake real. Yeah. Uh, all right, my, uh, I'm Denise, and I'm Jackie, and uh, that's my mama. Yeah, and that's my baby. Yeah, and um, we're here to just talk about some stuff. Yeah, our and share our experience and strength and hope with mm-hmm. others that we may help. Yes, along the way. Yes, exactly. I am in my late twenties. I am 57. Oh, we're doing exact ages? I'm 29. Oh, well, I'm in my 50s. I'm not yet 30. <laughs> I'm in my 50s. Uh-huh. I'm on the closer to 60 side of the 50s. Yes. Yeah. We I'm in the in... age of giving way less fucks than I was in my 20s. Let's just put mm. it that way. Yeah. And I'm in the um, crippling post-pandemic <laughs> All of my hottest years were stolen part of my 20s. <laughs> so, yeah, it's great. Happy to be here. Um, we both live in L.A., yeah, we in the both, West Side. Both live in L.A., grew up. Grew up uh, here. In, uh, yep, grew up in the West Side of uh, L.A. Mm-hmm. Um, religious history is... Uh, I know we're going right into religious history. Which we don't is, have we to should, go right into religious history. I don't history. think, you know, we're not religious. We don't want to talk. We're, this is not a religious podcast. No. But I'm, suppo- but I'm supposed important. to be Catholic. Yeah. And I think in the context of what we're trying to do and the tools that we're trying to provide for people, I think having some notion of our own spirituality and how that's informing us is important. Right. So she's supposed to be Catholic. Thank dog she's not. (laughs) No offense to the Catholics, but she'll tell you why. Go. Why am I not Catholic? I think you should tell that that Adam and Eve story. Oh, the Adam and Eve story. Because that's the kind of Catholicism she grew up with. Yes. So I remember being a little girl. Um, My grandpa uh, was from the Philippines. Mm -hmm. My grandma's Mexican on my dad's side. So very Catholic. Like Ash Wednesday Catholic. My mom's side was very much Swedish, Irish, also Catholic. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely more Catholic on dad's side. And I remember being a small child talking to my grandfather. And I said, um, 
I don't understand how Eve was born out of Adam's rib. Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. (laughs) And he got really mad and said, don't ask me those questions. And pretty much shut me down. And I was, uh, you know, I was like, oh, okay, Mm -hmm. well, no more curiosity around that. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Like, not only did you get in trouble, but like... Oh, and I can't even. Yeah, I have to say my grandpa was lieutenant colonel in the army. So when he barked at you, it was a lieutenant colonel bark. Yeah. So it was like shut, shut you down. Yeah. Because I said so. Hmm. No questions asked. Mm -hmm. So and, you know, and he was a love bug and I love my grandpa. So I I don't want to get the wrong idea about my grandpa, but there was no talking about religion. Or there was question. There was going to church. Yeah. And he would reward us for going to church. So mm-hmm. after church on Sundays, if we were good, he'd give us a dollar mm-hmm. and we could go to this store called Yamaguchi's, which is on Sautel. And we could buy candy after after church. Yeah. But um So you got the the carrot for going. Yes. But didn't like really there was no like meaningful engagement around it or no. anything. No, yeah. because I, I I didn't understand it and I there was no you know, I was just a kid. Yeah. So also I didn't go to Catholic school. So all of my family went to Catholic school, including my younger brother. Mm-hmm. Uh so I'm the only one who didn't go to Catholic school. So yeah. I didn't even I didn't have that either of a mm. formal education around Catholicism. So Yeah. My parents were hippies at the time, and they said I could pick my own God, which, you know. <laughs> what does she mean? She picked herself. <laughs> it means, it means the first little I while. picked weed and, yeah. <laughs> and parties mm, yeah. and uh, boys. Cocaine. Cocaine. Other, alcohol. Other things. Drugs. Weed. That one really cool Mercedes Beach. that you wanted. Oh, I really wanted <laughs> It's brown 450SL convertible. It's really pretty. Anyway. All right. All of that being said, oh, I can get into my substance history. Do you, mm-hmm. want, do you want me to get into that? Do you want to talk about your religious history? Just sure. to give context. Yeah. So so I obviously have your like Catholic slash Christian side of the family. Um, and we did like Easter and Christmas, and that's pretty much it. But those were always based around tradition and gathering and family and having a big meal. So for me, I got all of like the best parts of those. Um, and holidays have always been very like special and meaningful to me. Um, I've also been really spoiled my whole life. I'm not, there's no like, just being honest, like my grandparents um, were always very generous with me. Oh, I have to pause you there because when we were born, when you were born, all of our parents remarried. Mm-hmm. So when Jackie was born, there were eight grandparents yeah. in the picture, including great grandparents. So yeah. there were great grandparents and grandparents, and there were eight of them. Yeah. And I was the first baby born of the new generation. So there you go. Yeah. But that said, holidays were always like very meaningful times. It was times when we got to see the extended family and connect with them. And um, even in L.A., we got to see everybody a lot. But it was still like holidays were like, you know, you spent the whole day just kind of hanging out. There was no no other place you had to be. And then on dad's side, we had like these kind of 
open arms. Everybody's welcome to our like Jewish celebrations, basically. So we would do Passover, Rosh Hashanah, and then we called it Jewish Thanksgiving because we would do like Shabbat Thanksgiving on Friday night. And that way everybody could go do like the other side of their families on Thursday. And then we all got to be together. And so, yeah, for me, and I did go to Hebrew school. I did get bat mitzvah. It was something that felt important to me in large part because it was important to my grandpa OJ, I think. And I was also, you know, there's so many Jewish kids on the West side that we used to get like holidays off or half days for holidays. (laughs) And everybody was having these crazy bar and bat mitzvahs. And I was like, oh, I definitely want that. Like, that's fun for somebody who didn't want the like kind of attention and like to be at the mic part of the ceremony. It felt really exciting that I was going to have like every single one of my friends from every part of my life and all of our family members all together. Um, and we haven't really had a big event like that since because no one's really gotten married or like had anything really. We've had a couple um, people pass away since then. So, you know, we had like the funeral version of that. But mm-hmm. I'm really grateful in hindsight now looking back at that. And it was basically you guys threw me like a small wedding, basically, which I also firmly maintain that those parties are wasted on the young. <laughs> Because we had like an open bar, there was a DJ and like a had light up furniture and the whole thing and a white dance floor. The white dance floor was a really big deal. I really yeah. wanted the white dance floor. It was really fun. It was really fun. But I also, because both my parents have grown up or like are sober, I grew up with this concept of a higher power too. Like that language has always been around me. I didn't even talk about being sober yet. Oh, sorry. But that's okay. I blew Just it. Just break my anonymity and <laughs> podcast one. <laughs> Sheesh. No, right. I, I, actually, there's no anonymity here. We're going we're gonna to get into we're it. We're going to talk about yeah. stuff. Yes. There is no shame. No. And, no shame. Uh, yeah. Um, wide open on that. Yeah. Okay. So go ahead. So so that the serenity, like I've had spiritual elements and also Grammy has always made us hold hands at dinner. And ever since I was little, little, every Tuesday night, we'd have dinner with her and grandpa at their house and we would all hold hands before we ate and give thanks to the spirit that moves through all things. So I think that has also very much informed my understanding of spirituality and religion. So I'm very much Jewish, but what did did you used to call yourself when you were a little girl? You were half. I said, I'm half Jewish and half Christmas. (laughs) Which is also very true. I love Christmas. You know, it's October and I'm like, forget Halloween, like Thanksgiving maybe, but like I'm ready for Christmas. I'm like, you know, they're out like, yeah, ornaments are out at paper source. She I'm ready. was really happy about being half Jewish and half Christmas because that meant you get presents every day so many for presents. Hanukkah and then you also get Christmas. So yes. yeah, that's... Yeah. And basically, we would host a dinner. Oh yeah, Christmas that we Eve is a big Christmas one too. Christmas Eve yeah. every year since I met your dad. Well, probably a few years after I met your dad. Almost and, like uh, thirty years. Yeah, so we've hosted Christmas Eve basically for my family and and Jews. <laughs> yeah. And then all the other stragglers who, yeah, like the island of lost toys, basically. <laughs> <laughs> and anybody who's visiting from out of town yeah, or whatever. Which just, is also a really beautiful thing, too. Yeah. A lot of, I think a lot of people are very protective of their family space. And we're always just like, oh, like, come on in. Come on like, in. arms are open. Yeah. 
Yeah. So we have that. We haven't had it since the pandemic, and I actually don't miss cooking all of that food because we would literally cook for like 50 people every Christmas Eve. Yeah. Two shopping carts. I'm pushing two shopping carts out of the grocery store. Yeah. Full. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. It's great, though. And, and, you know, that's one of our things that mm-hmm. we love to do, um, that we like to do for people is feed people. So yeah. I think that's a very common thing in families is to, you know. Show love through food. Show love through food. Mm-hmm. Get together over a meal mm-hmm. to share the meal. The meal is the centerpiece, but it's the kind of. What brings everybody together? It's the magnet it's, that yeah. pulls everybody to the table, right? So, yeah. you did for a minute talk about um, substance use history, substance abuse mm-hmm. history, and interesting that you said substance abuse history because what I wrote down was substance use history. Uh, yeah, was well, so, substance. There you go. There's there's difference between Jackie and I. Jackie <laughs> did substance use history, and yeah. I have substance abuse history. Mm-hmm. So. You know, without getting into the whole story, which I will do over time and Mm -hmm. through different ways, I was basically a problem child. And and I don't know about problem. I self-medicated my anxiety and depression and not fitting in and not feeling a part of and not just the way that I felt about myself Mm. and the way I felt about my life. Mm -hmm. Um I got to mute it through drugs and alcohol. And mm-hmm. through that, I got to be the party girl who was very outgoing and popular and had a lot of friends. And tomboy. I was a tomboy and also flirty. And yeah, I was just, you had know, a I bod from that cocaine. Yeah, use. <laughs> well, I didn't really get into the cocaine until Okay. Until I was way later, you know, but let's Until just say till I was 19. <laughs> so I got sober when I was 20 mm-hmm. and I was smoking weed almost daily at around 11. Mm. And it was easily accessible on the streets of what I'll call Dogtown for anybody mm. who knows that reference. It's basically the south side of Santa Monica during the 80s. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it was, you know, a bunch of kids who were basically from broken homes or homes yeah. that didn't, weren't watching their kids and we were running amok. And I kids. didn't really think, I thought it was normal. I thought everybody lived like that, you know, and mm-hmm. I, I didn't really realize that there were other people in our city that weren't living that way, mm-hmm. right? It's like I just knew my group of people, um and I thought everybody kind of lived that way. So it was kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, that that being said, that's not completely true. Hmm. But I didn't, um, I wasn't around enough other types of people to know that it wasn't true. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I got sober when I was 20. Mm-hmm. And everything changed. Everything changed. So... When I tried it with butter, everything changed. Everything changed. It's cone. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't unhear it. <laughs> okay, cultural reference just for, for dating this podcast. Yep. It's cone. That's in, it, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Look it Amazing. up, the corn kid. Uh-huh. Okay, I'm going to just get into the the sobriety thing and kind of why why. I started writing and then we started talking mm-hmm. and all that. Yeah. I'm just going to get into it a little bit because I think, so 
getting sober at 20, I wasn't sure if I wanted to be sober, first of all. Mm-hmm. Uh, I knew I couldn't keep living the way I was living, mm-hmm. and I didn't want to kill myself, but mm-hmm. I didn't want to live the way I was living anymore. So I was in that weird in-between place with no resources, no money, mm-hmm. no... Um, I had never really been to therapy, so I didn't really know about that. I didn't yeah. know, you know, I didn't know how to get out of where I was. So the cool part about going to a 12-step room was, A, it was free. Mm-hmm. You could put money into a hat. If you had it, you dropped it in. And if you didn't, nobody judged you for it. Mm-hmm. Two, there was fellowship in that group. So, like, you would have the meeting before the meeting and the meeting after the meeting. So mm-hmm. before the meeting, people would hang out, talk get to one another, coffee, make, get a cup of coffee. A yeah, get a piece of whatever, you know, if they were serving any kind of food. But mm-hmm. mostly it was just coffee. Yeah. And we smoked in those in those days. And then... Mm-hmm. And then you'd have this meeting, which would be like a um, a speaker, mm-hmm. uh, a speaker participation, or just a participation meeting, mm. or a themed participation or speaker or whatever. Mm-hmm. It could be themed on the 12 steps. It could be themed on whatever. So fast forward to I have kids. Mm-hmm. My friends have kids. I'm watching not only you guys, but I'm watching my friends' kids. I'm talking to other parents. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing what's what is um, the disconnect I'm watching from the mm. kids going, I think, being on the phone the whole time as a source of connection instead of actually being out together, mm-hmm. doing something like riding a bike or surfing or whatever, yeah. you know, um, and... And not really being honest with each other about what's really going on. Mm-hmm. So I was started watching young people post, like when, I, when I'd be sitting in a cafe and I'd watch their face before they took the selfie, while they took the selfie, after they took the selfie. Mm-hmm. And that face didn't match, mm. right? Like the the selfie with the mouth half open with the smiley face, like isn't life grand, mm-hmm. was not the same face before and after taking that selfie. Mm. And so I started just paying attention to the disconnect and the falsehood of the narrative that's being told to each other. Mm-hmm. So if you're just looking at that as any kind of person it's like oh my god they have the best life they're just out at these all these places and enjoying themselves and having a good time i also was thinking about the kids who you know uh a younger kid who's not invited to the party doesn't even know there's a party mm-hmm. in my day i would find out about it and feel bad about it on monday when i'd mm-hmm. hear people talking about it but in now time you're watching the whole thing happen in front of you with Mm -hmm. everybody posting. And it's like, why wasn't I invited? Right. Mm -hmm. So you get to, you're already kind of probably lonely. And then you add a whole nother layer of, I don't fit in. I don't belong. They Mm -hmm. don't like me. Well, you know, just keep adding stacking on that. So I also started talking to different people about their mental health and Mm -hmm. what they were doing for it. And a lot of people have People with resources, even, mm-hmm. who've been in various kinds of talk therapies and 
medications mm-hmm. and 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 mm-hmm. people um, like me, people like you, were doing a lot of work for a long time and not seemingly really getting better. Mm-hmm. Like it was abated, mm. but it wasn't like causing a functioning like not anxiety proof or depression proof because no one is mm-hmm. and just that feeling of well-being yeah has felt elusive yes yeah so i started thinking about how the 12 steps if this 12 steps could help millions of people around the world mm-hmm. recover from alcoholism drug abuse gambling sex weed other people, you name it, whatever it is yeah. that your problem is, um, I thought it might help anxiety and depression. And mm-hmm. I'm not talking about uh, people who have a physiological need for additional whatever dopamine, whatever it is in their system mm-hmm. that they're missing. Because yeah. people are Take missing. Take your meds if you need them. People are missing chemistry, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, if you're missing the chemistry, please take take your chemistry to help balance it out. Yeah. But what the 12 steps provided for me as a 20-year-old, which is the group that I really want to kind of talk to here, mm-hmm. is that I'm going to be okay. Mm-hmm. I have a place to go where people are honest with each other about what's really going on. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't cost me anything to go there. Mm-hmm. They happen every night in mm-hmm. any city, almost in every country that I've been to. Um, and they've given me much a, a lot of relief and a, a really beautiful way to live my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just felt like that was my reason. That's... That's my reason to be here is to help other people yeah. recover from whatever it is that they're addicted to, whether that's drugs or alcohol. And I don't want to say that anxiety and depression is an addiction, but sometimes I think your body does get stuck in a loop. Yeah. Oh, there's definitely like a positive feedback loop that happens where you, yeah, where you just feel stuck in it. Right. So that was my motivation. Yeah. And then, well, and also talking to you about, mm-hmm. and you're very open about your mental health and yeah. where where you are and where you aren't mm-hmm. and at any given time. Um, so I really started writing for you and for my friends' kids and for your friends, because mm-hmm. I've talked to your friends too, right? Yeah. So, um, and I see it at work. I see it everywhere. I, there's just a... People are struggling. People are struggling. It's mm-hmm. so... There's a lot to going on right now, especially with the, pan, you know, post-pandemic, during mm-hmm. the pandemic. Now what? People are quitting their jobs. Like, people are having a moment where they're like, what the fuck? Yeah. In every area. Like, yeah. work, home, kids, dogs, life... <laughs> Do I live here anymore? Do I move away? Yeah. Do I love my people? Do I not love my people? Or it, is my tribe a tribe anymore? Like there's mm-hmm. just a lot that that's happened recently for a lot of people. So yeah. I just feel like now is the time to talk about what's really going on and mm-hmm. give people the forum for that. Yeah. And I think also it's important to note like we're just we're just people. We're regular everyday kind of people 
right? right? You know, and we're going to be talking to normal everyday people. And um, this isn't like our, you know, we're not therapists or we don't like work in the rehab space. We're not podcasters. We're not bloggers. We're not. No. We're not celebrities. Oh, we're going to be podcasters because we're going to do this, this for okay, a while. We're officially podcasters, <laughs> but that's it. Otherwise, we're just like, yeah. you know, I'm not a writer. Jeans. Yeah. My my business is not in recovery. Yeah. I don't make money in recovery. Correct. This is a thing I'm doing for fun and for free. Yeah. Because I'm compelled to do it. Yeah. Totally. So do you want to talk about how I looped you in and then why you even accepted it? Because you could have easily said, nah, thanks, but no thanks. Right. Yeah. So you wrote this book and you were kind of like, hey, um, I wrote this book. I'm going to, like, talk to a publisher about it. Like, I'm going to talk to these people. I'm like, okay, take your extended warranty and go talk to those people. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, you were kind of like, you know, I wrote this thing and I'm going to, like, kind of put it out there. And I have a friend, Kim, who works in publishing and I've done her writing groups for many years now. And um, I thought that she would be a really good resource for you. So I connected you to and um, she kind of, I think, because she knows me and then got to know you, was curious about my, like, feedback on it. And then when I read it, I was like, yeah, this is amazing. And also, like, I know that just because I know you, I know that there's a deeper layer to it. And so I think I initially wanted to get involved to help, like, tease that out and, like, find a way to help you um, – go there but also um because we love to talk and not talk (laughs) and (laughs) um it feels good to have a we're able to have these conversations I think there's something really special about our relationship as a mother and daughter right um where you know we're very open with each other and we have been for a really long time and um except for I never want to go to the pleasure chest with you that she's yeah she has drawn a line i did make her go once and she's like we're never doing that again (laughs) anyway she's a cool mom but she's not that cool um we should actually talk about that in an episode (laughs) that's hilarious um yeah so anyways i think that um i I'm on my own journey of like mental health and wellness and I have been for a while. But the difference was because I grew up in a sober household, I never really like felt like I had the option to self-medicate because I knew too much about sobriety. Like it was just very clear from the beginning, like drugs and alcohol are not safe for our family, really. It's not that they were like bad. It was just like it's they're they can lead you down a dangerous path. It's dangerous because there's so many there's so many addicts and alcoholics. There's so many addicts our, and alcoholics in our family. And there's like dec- generations of self-medication and mental stuff on both sides and from all different angles and whatever. Right. So knowing that about myself, knowing that I had two parents who have these kind of addictive tendencies and also meant like these mental health struggles have existed in our family. I was 
very aware of that growing up, but I also didn't get to like have that as a crutch. So I was just like raw dogging life <laughs> is how I always put it. Like just out there feeling my feelings, no cushion. Like even in college, I, I took jobs at um, the on-campus restaurant, West Swings. Shout out to the Swings. Um, I took the brunch shift because that way I knew that I would like restrict my partying night to only one weekend night. Otherwise, I wouldn't have an excuse to like show up and get out of bed the next day. And that's the difference between you and me because yeah. I could have taken a job and I would have been fired from that job after about right. week three because it would, I would not have been able to control the mm. stopping yeah. enough to say I have to go home and go to bed because I have a job tomorrow. Mm -hmm. I'd be like, fuck the job. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm making $13 an hour. I don't, I don't really need that job. I don't need a job. It's not really worth it. No. I had to have that job, too, because of my student loans. But yeah. So I guess that's kind of a, a segue into my substance news. But anyways, I'm here because it sounded like a fun project. And over the last few months, we've been meeting for a couple hours every weekend, just like talking through all of our struggles and feelings and thoughts and history and writing together and it's been such a joy and um I do think that there's like wisdom here to be gleaned if not like even if we don't help anybody else it has helped me I think already and that um was a big surprise and a big blessing that was like yeah sure we'll do this thing but like I don't know what I'm gonna you know I like yeah Jackie always says, yeah, sure, I'll do it with you. Like the time when I was having a midlife crisis and I texted her in college and asked if she would do a triathlon. With <laughs> yeah. me. She's like, oh, uh, okay. It's like midterms in March. <laughs> She's like, hey, will you do a triathlon in October? I'm like, I guess. And literally the, like within an hour, I had the registration email in my inbox. She's like, I'll pay for it. And I'm like, and, okay, and, I guess and, I'm learning how to swim in the ocean this summer. <laughs> <laughs> I was me. definitely having a midlife crisis because I don't swim, bike, or run, yeah. but we did it. We did it. High five. Yeah. PR'd. <laughs> First time you do it, guaranteed PR. Guaranteed. Like you just, it's going to be it my again. only time. Yeah. Personal, personal best. Yeah. Yeesh. Anyway, not my sport. No. So that's why I'm here. Yeah. And um, going into my like substance use history as far as i can tell i'm what they call a normie in the in the programs right like i yeah i think i've had some like online shopping <laughs> addictions when i was in college so i went to school in a really small town and there was no way to get anything besides online shopping and that was a guaranteed dopamine hit of like your package is here and then two you get dopamine to go. hits because you get it when you first yeah. buy it and you get it yes. again when it arrives exactly but I didn't realize that at the time I was just like oh yeah I could use like a new set of stickers for my planner and I could <laughs> use a a solar charger for when the power goes out oh yeah every yeah, couple of it's nights very helpful and it had a little flashlight on it <laughs> anyways it came in handy but I. I don't really drink a lot. I have maybe a couple drinks a week, if that. Sometimes I go a whole week without drinking. Um, I don't really. Except for when we're at a convention. Yeah, and I have my I have my out blowout. Okay, well, yeah, and I'll get into that too. So, yeah. so. But it's sporadic. It's sporadic. I definitely like feel like I have 
like I want to go out and like drink and have fun and like be looser than I normally am. Mm -hmm. Not that I'm super uptight anyways, but I think especially in the past when I had really bad social anxiety, I needed that. I needed alcohol to help me like loosen up and be um, what the family calls wine Jackie. They love wine Jackie. We love wine Jackie. Because she's just happy. Yes. And she, uh, yeah. At Jackie's 21st birthday on the way home from the restaurant, because Jackie's birthday and my birthday are on the same day. <laughs> we need to strike so this story. Had, so, we had a, so we were driving home, <laughs> mm-hmm. and Jackie was just dropping some bombs on all of her friends about who did what when. Mm. And her little sister said, wine Jackie's my favorite Jackie. <laughs> At which point I got very offended. <laughs> so, yeah, wine, yeah. Wine Jackie. Wine Jackie. So I don't really smoke pot. I don't like I had asthma growing up, which I now like inhaler asthma, which I now actually think was probably just anxiety, but probably could have been could have been both. Right. I've definitely have allergies. <laughs> I had it, too. I yeah. had asthma, too. But I think maybe you also had anxiety. Yeah. Right. You mean, like because it started when my brother was born. I was like, maybe oh, you brought a baby. Yeah, didn't oh, I oh. have? I had medical <laughs> stuff when I was. Didn't I have to get my tonsils out? Like right when tonsils you were pregnant. And adenoids. Yeah, that was like in March before Livy was born, wasn't it? But those are allergies. We determined that. It was we when you care. were pregnant. Was it? Anyway. Anyways, we'll go. We'll we'll dig into that <laughs> some more. <laughs> but I yeah, so I don't really smoke weed. I don't like it. I think like the inhaling of smoke is not good for my body and I never got into cigarettes. Thank God. I even studied abroad in Spain and didn't get into cigarettes. So that is a blessing because yeah, a lot of people got caught <laughs> in that country <laughs> if they didn't already smoke. I don't really use hard drugs. I never really have done those. Um, I'm on an SNRI right now, so that's also inhibited me from doing those. What's an SNRI? That is a a medication for anxiety and depression. Yeah. Um, I'm on Effexor, XR. I'm actually starting to wean down. We'll get to that too. And substances. I've dabbled here and there at like the occasional festival. Um, I did. I was misdiagnosed with... I don't know that I was misdiagnosed with ADHD or like ADD. I do think that I lean that way. Just looking at my house. Um, I have doom piles everywhere. So <laughs> if you know what a doom pile is, you'll relate. But I was put on Adderall for like uh, two semesters and it really messed with me. Yeah. Then triggered a whole thing. But I wasn't doing anything like recreationally, and I took my medication very seriously even then, and like didn't mix it with anything or. And I think actually just that experience was a big wake up call for me because mm. I remember talking to you and you're just saying like I'm I'm struggling. Yeah. Um, but you were such a high functioning person that I didn't know really what that meant. Yeah. And the, and then when you reached out to the. Um, counseling office mm-hmm. at school they were like well if you're not going to do any self-harm we can't see you for three months yeah it's basically like if you're not suicidal or you right. haven't been sexually assaulted right which i mean which was happening the to most real pe- to people yeah situation but i was like there are all these kids in all these universities all over the country that are ill prepared yeah. for mental health and it is a real 
thing just like any mm-hmm. other health. They sh- it should be treated the same as any health issue, yeah. whether it's a, you know, a spider bite mm-hmm. or, you know, I can't breathe because my anxiety is through the roof yeah. or I just can't focus. And I have like midterms next week and I don't even know how to get out of this now. Yeah. Right. And so I was shocked by, you know, I, you know, your university was one of the most expensive, like we couldn't afford it, but you went. Yeah. One of the most, it was, I think at the time you went, it was the sixth most expensive university in the country to yeah. go to. It was like right behind like Harvard yeah. or something. Yeah. Without the endowments. Yeah. And they weren't prepared. And I, I was thinking, mm-hmm. oh my God. Okay. So I at least had the 12 steps and people who are in therapy and people who saw their, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I, but, and, and new people who knew people if we needed help, we could get you help. But I was thinking like, what about all of these kids who are, you know, first generation, mm-hmm. especially Im- immigration yeah. kids whose yeah. parents can't navigate the system. First of all, it's oh, another yeah. language and it's too cumbersome. I had friends who had to fill out their own FAFSA forms every year because their parents right. like weren't literate enough to in English to right. do it. So yeah. how does one who has no... Barely any resources, maybe on a full scholarship. Mm-hmm. I mean, we paid for that therapist and it was expensive. Mm-hmm. And you had to like, it was a struggle even to get to his office because right. he was off campus. And and then come home and figure out how to treat you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was so mad at mm-hmm. this university for failing you mm-hmm. as a human. Because the whole part of the whole reason you go to college is to learn it's that gateway between childhood and adult. And part of that it's supposed is to be like an exercise for your brain. Right. It's supposed to be like going to the gym for your brain for four years. Right. Around the smart some of the smartest people yeah. you'll ever be around, the most diverse group you're ever gonna be around mm-hmm. in a really kind of sharing good way. And yeah. if you as a person, I mean, what I'd love to see and I don't you know, what I'd love to see is places all over these universities and high schools and middle schools mm-hmm. with places to go for kids at lunch or whatever, just to go and meet and talk about what's really going on and yeah. be accepted for who they are mm-hmm. and um, celebrated for their candor and honesty and respected in that you don't go talking about it to everybody else and you know the kind of recreate what what i feel so fortunate to have a 12-step room to go to i spoke at a Mm -hmm. meeting earlier this week and it was like you know there's a room full of women there's probably i don't know 30 women there Mm -hmm. more 40 who have a place to go Mm -hmm. who share honest with, with each other about what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, good, bad, or ugly, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's happening whether they show up or not. It's right. always happening. It's always there. And someone, someone else picks someone up the else, torch Yeah, so somebody's there putting together. There's commitments that, that, make, that draw people in to show mm-hmm. up every week. And, um, and it's free. Mm-hmm. 
And we get to hug each other and laugh together and cry together and see each other and then go out for coffee afterwards or go for lunch afterwards. Or when yeah. I was new, I didn't have any money to go for coffee afterwards. So I'd go out and we were going to this deli and the deli had free pickles on the table. And so I would just like eat the pickles, you know, because that was all I could have, you yeah. know, but but what a gift to be able to go somewhere. And, and so mm-hmm. what I see is like young people and also All i got people. to develop a a sense of something bigger than me and mm-hmm. so and, and and i don't know if this is true or not but this is my theory is mm-hmm. that young people today many young people today have no sense of a, a higher power that is a real um something that they can tap into for comfort mm-hmm. and for reassurance mm-hmm. and for relief and to feel taken care of. Yeah. And also they don't have a community because we're all fragmented now mm-hmm. of people who know them and see them I was really touched by what was that movie where they were in Ireland? Uh, there was a movie that was. Uh, <laughs> we always, I'm like, you know, the movie, the one with the lady, the one with the brown hair, who was in the movie with Hot Jamie. Oh, the one that was, yeah, Belfast. Belfast, yeah. And I was struck by the. the community mm. of Belfast the mm-hmm. the community that they portrayed mm-hmm. right where people knew each other they knew mm-hmm. the good the bad and the ugly but if your kid fell down three blocks away mm-hmm. somebody was going to come pick him up and dust him off and bring him home mm-hmm. right and I don't think we have that here mm-hmm. in at least where we live yeah I'm sure there are small communities in the, around the country that have that but i don't feel that in los angeles yeah um and at least where we live in yeah. los angeles and i know there's pockets because i've seen it but I feel not it more in this neighborhood that i live in now yeah, than i did than, than in mine yeah yeah and so but it's also like what what i have going into that room is i can go into a room here or in Hawaii, mm-hmm. or in Paris, or in Bali, or in Rome, or yeah. in anywhere in the country, in the world, and find a group of people who know what I'm feeling, know the kind of bottom that I've hit, yeah, and are there for me with open arms, welcoming me into the room. And that is a really cool Thing and reassuring and freeing yeah. thing to have. Totally. Um, it hasn't relieved me of everything. I mean, I, I go to therapy. I, you needed to go to therapy. Yeah, I pushed maybe, her to go to therapy. Go to therapy. Because AA addresses a lot. Because my extended warranty had expired. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, it's just another tool in the toolkit, right? Like yes. I could see that your toolkit was not enough, just like how in my most recent like experience with anxiety and depression, my previous toolkit wasn't enough to get me through it, right? So I had to kind of change my my strategy there. 
Right. Um, and I think also growing up that community that you had from AA, I was always kind of jealous of. I was always like, oh, like, I don't wish I was an addict or an alcoholic or whatever, but I wish that I had like a reason to go into those rooms. And I probably could as an Al-Anon, right? Or I know, I think they have like adult children of alcoholics or something. Alateen, Al-Anon. Mm-hmm. So the there, things. yeah. And I, we, we discovered that they have programs for depression, I think, right? And anxiety. I think you could find a 12-step room for, for anything thing that you right. would want in life. Yeah. But for somebody who like me, I've always felt like I didn't belong, like I'm like I'm not enough. That's been those are those have been like my two big things and so I was always really jealous of that until I found a community of women that um my friend Chelsea had founded. It was like my first group of adult friends really after college. It took me a long time to find my people. Um and it's a very similar concept, I think, to like a participation meeting, right, where you just kind of talk Quaker style and everybody holds space for whoever's talking until they're done talking. You don't give any kind of feedback or anything. Um, you're just there like holding space and then letting people hold space for you. Um, and that really had an impact on me. So that kind of gave me a taste of that and like you know I'd been to meetings with you and the family before right so like I I knew the format of AA and saw a lot of similarities between the two mm-hmm. and I kept saying like mom you have to come to this because they're not just talking about substance use they're talking about like all the things like money and jobs and their love lives and this and that which you do talk about in AA because all of those things get entangled into substance use but um to me, it just felt a little bit like a layer deeper. Yeah. Right. I think also my experience of so I've been sober since I was twenty. Mm-hmm. I we already said I'm in my fifties, so I've been sober. Is it thirty seven years? Thirty seven years. Your chip says. Yeah. And um, she's always had that on her key ring. A long too. time, and we've me and a couple of girlfriends have have run these workshops where we take other women through the 12 steps one Mm -hmm. by one, one a month in depth. Um, And I have seen kind of the light come on in many women's eyes, which Mm -hmm. is, you know, when, when you come in, you're just so full of shame and depression and anxiety and fear and loathing and, Mm -hmm. You know, um, that, you know, to watch somebody kind of wake up to themselves and to Mm. other people is such a beautiful thing to watch and experience. And, you know, one of the things that they talk about in the 12 step rooms is basically trust God, clean house, help others. Mm -hmm. Right. But the problem with that for me as a 20-year-old was as soon as I heard the word God, I was like, yep, I'm out. Bye. That's how I feel about it, too. And I'm like, mm, I don't <laughs> want your, like, mean old patriarchal white bearded ass, like, 
judgy man with a staff. Yeah, who's already condemned me to hell Ugh. for all the shit I've yeah, done. Fuck that guy. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I don't subscribe Mm-mm. to that either. So the cool part about the twelve steps for me was that my sponsor and a sponsor is somebody who helps you go through work through these twelve steps. Um, she told me because there she told me if I thought I was so powerful to go down to the beach and stop the waves. Hmm. And at that point I thought I could think my way out of anything. I was thought I was a, I'm a pretty smart person. I mm-hmm. can think my way out of stuff. I can think, you know, but my best thinking got me to where I was. Mm. And and I was not going to be able to help myself out of that space yeah. by myself. Mm. I needed something bigger and I needed other people. Yeah. So I needed other people and something bigger than other people. And so for me, my beginning higher power mm-hmm. was the waves, right? Mm. The ocean. We live by the beach. It's a pretty massive Pacific Ocean out there. Yeah. And um, it was real clear to me that I was not in charge of it. Mm-hmm. And it could take me out. <laughs> yeah. I, right? And so when I was looking for that kind of comfort or when I was looking to do some self-reflection or if I needed to see beauty, mm-hmm. I would go to the beach mm. to, to kind of center myself when I was new. Yeah. And you also meditate. Now you meditate every day. I do, but it day. took me, like, Years. I didn't start didn't that start until, until I was in my 20, like 20-something years sober. Yeah. I've been doing it for a while now. Yeah. You've been consistent for like seven years. I didn't start meditating, even though meditation, prayer and meditation is one whole step. (laughs) I only did the first half of it. Yeah. Because I didn't want to, I don't know how to sit still. Yeah. It's very hard. There are many ways to be mindful, too. There are a lot of ways to meditate, but you hadn't found the way to do it. I didn't start meditating until Deepak and Oprah started Mm -hmm. doing their their meditation series. And then I was like, oh, I can listen to these. Yeah. And they actually have been so very free, helpful to me. Accessible. They yeah. weren't free. The yeah, first, they the the, oh, they would do a free twenty-one days, yeah. and then after that, you had to buy it, yeah. which I did most of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know that they do them anymore, but yeah. it's, uh, I still listen. I realize that we forgot a whole chunk of why how I got involved in this too. Yes, which was that because of your theory on how AA could help people, or like the twelve steps could help people. You wanted me, seeing that I was going through a trying time, to take myself through the 12 steps. And so I, like, pulled up a, a workbook or, like, I pulled them up online and started trying to write to them. And I was like, this shit kind of sucks. Like, like <laughs> the language feels very, like, not Shakespearean or biblical, but just, like, very much old paradigm, like, it was clearly written by two old men in a very specific time. You told me that there was a chapter called For the Wives, which is also some bullshit. Right. And so I was like, look, I know you're not trying to like create a whole new system here, but these steps need to be rewritten. Like this this language is not working for me and it's not going to be helpful for to me in this way. Right. Right. And 
So I think that's also where we started too, as we were working on finding language around these steps that felt warm and modern and welcoming. And through that, I've landed on my kind of mantra of the moment, my like, not even a mantra, but just what my current concept of higher power, which has evolved to be the concept of the universal mother. Like to me, that just feels like a big hug. And so when I'm having a moment of just like, I go like the universal mother is taking care of me. And I just kind of like sink into that, like sit there, close my eyes and sink into that feeling. Right. Mm-hmm. And then I extend it out and like envelop my dog or my house or wherever, wherever I am at the moment, just kind of like send that out in pulses. Which sounds very West LA. I know. <laughs> but get that's your vortexes ready. That's where I'm at, you know? Um, and not in a spiritual bypassing mm-hmm. way, but just like I'm connected to this energy, right? I, my energy came from somewhere and it's going to go back into this kind of giant exchange that happens and connects everything. So, yeah. Like Grammy's spirit that moves through all things? Kind of, yeah. I, I always liked that she, she framed it in that way. Mm-hmm. And for me, you know, when I was new and I still was working on trying to trust something bigger, mm-hmm. I would say um, the serenity prayer, which did have the word God in it, but mm-hmm. it was for some reason acceptable to me. Yeah. Which was God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. The courage, the courage to, to change, change the, the things, things I can. can and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. Amen. So, and they say that at the end of a lot of meetings, we hold hands and we say that. Mm -hmm. We also say that our father, which is like, if you're not, (laughs) you're not from that world. Yeah. For a supposedly non-denominational program, it's kind of weird. uh, Well, I guess that prayer might be in the first test. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know about religion. I don't know about psychology. I don't know about anything other than the 12 steps really gave me a... Yeah. Lean into your mic, please. Ugh, gave me a, a basis for living my life so that I could be... So that I could be, mm-hmm. right? Because I didn't know how to live without yeah. smoking weed every day. Like that was the last thing I had to give up. Mm. And... I didn't know how to function without putting something in between me and you. I I really was so afraid of other people and afraid of life and just didn't believe in myself and didn't believe I was capable and had a lot of shame about dropping out of school and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Which like light one up slash pour one out for me because I'll never be able to share a joint with my mom, which I think would be hilarious and we would have so much fun and then we would never see her again. She would be like. I would just be smoking weed and visiting taco trucks all over Los yeah. Angeles. <laughs> but then cocaine. Yeah, and who then knows Then I wouldn't what even eat tacos. I'd be yeah. missing the tacos. And then she wouldn't be able to afford the tacos. And then the I'd tacos. need the alcohol and to bring have, me back yeah. down from the cocaine. 
The funny thing about <laughs> drug abuse is it's basically trying to find the baseline, the midline, which is surprisingly to to- <laughs> sober. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> trying to get back to your natural state. So when I go to a party, yeah. I have to wait for everybody's second drink to kick in or at least a strong yeah. first pour for me to have fun because everybody's so freaking uptight yeah. that I have to wait for all the shit to kick in before we can all have a yeah. good time. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. Even when we go to conferences now for for work, we still kind of cling to each other yeah. when we can. Yeah, we do. <laughs> yeah. We have a lot of fun together. We do. We're really lucky. We are. Right? Yeah. We're really lucky. We crack each other up all the time. And we thought we'd share our story with with you Mm -hmm. because why not? Yeah. Got nothing to lose and hopefully lots to gain. And we're going to have, we're going to talk about how we reimagined the 12 steps for for people of today yes and we're going to talk to other people who have used these steps to mm-hmm. find relief in their life yep and we're going to talk about to people who haven't mm-hmm. and we're going to just talk to people and see yeah. where people are at and have them share what's going on so that whatever you're going through out there you don't feel alone that's yeah. the main thing I want people to know is that you're not alone mm-hmm. and there's help available. Yeah. And it can be free. Mm-hmm. And there's people who will care about you until you can care about yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And I think one other thing, too, that's I just need to say is like a lot of the dogma around spirituality today Mm -hmm. is around self-love and Mm -hmm. doing for yourself and making yourself comfortable and blah, blah, blah. You can't love somebody else till you love yourself. (laughs) Yes. And the big, one of the big tenets of the 12 step programs was like when all else fails, go find a newcomer, Mm. go find someone new who's struggling and help them. Mm And in that service to somebody else, you get relieved of that obsession and the spin out that you're in because you don't, you can't focus on yourself. So I think a lot of, a lot of what's going on today is that focus on self and not focus on the greater good or doing for others. And yeah. And I feel like a lot of people see that as selfish or like self-serving to to help someone else in order to feel good about yourself. But I am I've been reframing things like that as healthy coping mechanisms. I think coping mechanisms have kind of been trash talked of like you need to actually face everything head on and do this and do that. And you can't just like wallow in your shit or whatever or. You know what I mean? Right. You can't just turn on the TV and space out. Right. But like if that's what's going to keep you alive for the next 24 hours, right. like do it. Right. You know, like there's a reason they're called coping mechanisms right. and they serve a very helpful psychological function to help get us into the next moment. Yeah. If that's how we have to get there. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like, you know, when I went to my first meeting, a bunch of people gave me their numbers. Of course, they were mostly guys because I was mm. a cute 20-year-old. Yeah. And there's all these fucking 
fresh 13 prey. steppers yeah. who are like, yeah. So not safe. There's mm-hmm. also that, right? Yeah. So, but luckily I was an addict. So I had some street smarts and I mm-hmm. knew like not to call smell any of those guys. Bears. But I think the thing that we want to share is that there's hope. Mm-hmm. You're not alone. Mm-hmm. Things are getting better. Things are getting better. I deserve to get better. I will get better. Yeah. And you don't have to do it by yourself. Yeah. At the very least, you have us. At the very least, you have us. (laughs) At the very least, I have us. Right? (laughs) Like, you know, I hope hope you all get something out of it. But at the very least, this is helping me. It is. You know? And it's bringing joy to my life. I love spending my Saturdays. Like, Saturdays, so I have a full-time job and I have a a big job mm-hmm. uh, in a kind of upper management position at a now Fortune 500 public company, right? Like where they all call her Mama Freed. Where they call me Mama Freed because because <laughs> she's out there caring for I'm people. Out, I'm out there caring. I practice these principles in all my affairs, so mm-hmm. that means I bring these steps with me to work. That mm-hmm. means I can hear people's secrets at work and keep their secrets. I can. Um, People come to me with all their stuff. Yeah. And I can hold space for that. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think that's we what both, we're going to do here. Yeah. And you do that too in your world. Yeah. Jackie, when the pandemic hit, Jackie threw herself into service. Yeah. Like nobody's business. So for all of our old people mm-hmm. and her friends, she was the one who went to the farmer's market and got groceries for everybody mm-hmm. and delivered them to their houses and did all <laughs> brought to grandpa his scones on Saturday. Yeah. Like all of the things that people weren't able to do, you did. Mm-hmm. And I think that act of service helped you get through yeah. that time. Totally. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I had if I didn't want to wait for an hour at the market, I had to get there at like seven o'clock. Yeah. Or eight, right when it opened. Right. Yeah. And in the beginning, you had one glove for touching the groceries uh-huh. and one glove I had glove my money in one pocket, <laughs> and I had one gloved hand for touching the money and one for touching the fruit, and you weren't allowed to touch anything except for what you got. And I spent so many mornings getting so sweaty schlepping around all of these bags of groceries till I finally bought myself a cart, because I'm also a bit of a martyr and a bit of a like masochist. Which you inherited from me. Yeah. Which you might have inherited from my mom, which you might have inherited from her mom and her grandma. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Our, we're talking about, we're going to get into generation. some generational trauma, too. It's coming. <laughs> it is coming. Yeah. But we're not telling anybody stories who don't belong to us to tell. Yeah. So that's the thing. Like, mm-hmm. again, we're going to be respectful of other people's privacy and we'll go where people want to go. As open or not as open as they want to be and accept everyone for who they are. And you're welcome to uh, join us. And, you know, one of the things that I used to love to say and I still do is like, you know, at my table, everyone eats. Mm -hmm. Right. Everyone is welcome. Yeah. For a seat at the table. And it doesn't matter where you're from or what you believe in or don't believe in. With the division that we have today, it's really hard for me to sit at the table with some people who have very strong, different beliefs than mm-hmm. I do. 
But at the end of the day, if somebody called me and said, look, I'm going to go drink mm-hmm. or I'm going to kill myself mm-hmm. or I'm going to whatever, can you come help me? I would not ask them what their belief system was. I right. would just go help them. Yeah. And I think most people are like that. Yeah, definitely. When it comes down to it. So if we can all just get back to that. Yeah. Human among humans, workers among workers, friends among friends. Might be a nicer place. Yes and no. We agree to disagree about we have some, some parts stu- of this. We have some stuff to work through. But yeah. I think that's what's so interesting. They, you know, there's in the rooms, in these 12-step rooms, there's everybody. Mm-hmm. From all walks of life. Right. So you could be sitting next to a rock star, next to a homeless person, next to a... Dentist. Dentist, next to a manicurist, next to a gardener, next to a construction worker, next to whatever. Mm -hmm. And they can have all different kinds of political beliefs, all kinds of socioeconomic backgrounds. Yeah. And all we're there to talk about. Mm -hmm is how to feel better, how to not pick up whatever the first thing is, or how to stop obsessing Hmm. about whatever it is that we're obsessing about. Yeah. We want to hear from you. Find us on Instagram and TikTok at 12 Steps for Everyone. That's at the number 12 Steps for Everyone. Please like and follow us. You can also send us topics you want us to dig into or follow up questions from each episode. And if you know someone who would enjoy or benefit from our conversations, please feel free to share this with them. All are welcome here.